Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. How are we doing this morning, church? Lovely to see you all. You're looking beautiful this morning on this cold Christchurch morning. <laughs> so my name's Emma. For those of you who haven't, I haven't had the um, pleasure of meeting. And today I'm going to be continuing our series on colliding worlds. And we've been looking at the reality that we live in a spiritual and a physical world. And it's not one or the other. They're colliding. And I think one of the most obvious ways in which I encounter colliding worlds in my life is with fear. You know, all throughout Scripture, we are called to live a life of freedom and peace in which our fear doesn't control us. But I know that all too often we struggle with fear. We make decisions from fear. We react from fear. We can be controlled by fear. You know, quick show of hands, who else struggles with fear? Great. That was a trick question, actually. Jono wrote a joke for me, so I'll tell you it anyway, but actually. <laughs> it says, everyone who struggles with fear was too afraid to put up their hands. <laughs> Not true in this case. We're all brave here. Seriously, though, you know, fear is a real issue. Um, and to varying degrees, it's real for all of us, eh? And all of us could be a little less fearful. And one of the ways Jesus speaks about his followers is that we would not be a people of fear, but a community of peace. And so I'd like to speak to that idea today in these colliding worlds. How does fear collide with peace? And what happens? You know, let's pray together. God, we honor your presence and your word this morning. We open our heart and all that we are the deep place within us, to you. And we ask this morning that our lives in this community would be a place of peace. We love you. Amen. I think the first thing to acknowledge when we're speaking about fear is our current situation, the world that we're living in. We live in a world of noise. Modern society lives on noise. And one of the symptoms of a noisy world is a lack of peace. You know, most of you will know that during the week I work as a clinical psychologist. And every day I'm working with people who are experiencing distress and who are lacking peace. And mental health is very much something that we're beginning to recognize more and more affects everybody. You know, it's likely that you have your own personal experience with this or you know someone in your world who is experiencing mental health distress. And mental or emotional distress is like a broad term that is used to, to describe a bunch of symptoms that is causing someone distress. And these commonly present as anxiety or depression. Some of the most recent statistics that we have on mental health in New Zealand show that Roughly one in four adults are diagnosed at some point in their life with a mood or anxiety disorder. Mental distress is highest in young people, particularly those between 15 and 24 years old. Younger people feel less able to cope with everyday stresses. 
and rates of mental distress are steadily increasing, even before COVID. Globally, since the pandemic and varying degrees of lockdowns, people are feeling more agitated, more stressed, more restless, and more sleepless. There has been an increase in alcohol and cannabis use as a way of managing these feelings of anxiety and depression. And for many, digital use has increased, both as a necessity during lockdowns and working from home, but also socially. The average person is on their phone for about three hours per day and touches their phone approximately 2,516 times a day. You just went to touch your phone, didn't you? <laughs> and while working from home has its positive benefits, we are at risk of being switched on all the time. The boundaries between home and work life are blurred. And the data is in and it shows that the digital age is making us miserable. The more time spent on social media, the more anxious or depressed you're likely to feel. We live in a society defined by fear. All sorts of fears. Fears of the future, of the past, over our lack of control, over how much control we have. Fear for our nation, fear of the other, fear of what others think about us, fear of if people knew who we actually are. And fear is the most primal instinct in our body, designed by God to maintain our life. And back in the day, fear was rooted in survival, getting food, staying alive, you know, running away from those tigers and those bears. And in the Western world, thank goodness, it might not be as literal as that. Um, and yet we're more anxious than ever. Because in a world suffering, our bodies become overcome by fear, and fear becomes not a servant, but a master. We become enslaved by our fears, run by them, and they sabotage our deepest desires to be people of love. You know, 1 John 4 verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. You know, we carry our fear in our minds, maybe in unwanted thoughts and racing thoughts and poor concentration, in our hearts, our emotions, and our body. You know, we might have racing heart, we might be sweating, feel nauseous, struggle to breathe at times. And we try to distract ourselves by pursuing noise, working more, watching more TV, going on social media, never wanting to be alone, and remaining switched on. But as long as we are enslaved to fear, we block the flow of the love of God, both to ourselves and then through us to others. And this is where the way of Jesus has so much to offer us. Jesus' most repeated command in Scripture is do not fear and do not worry. 
In Matthew 24, Jesus says that when you hear rumors of wars, don't be alarmed, upset, made anxious. You know, in John 14, verse 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Almost every letter in the New Testament starts with grace and peace to you. Paul consistently calls God the Father of peace and Jesus the Prince of peace. Peace is at the center of the gospel of Jesus' vision of life in the kingdom, of our colliding worlds. And the vision of Jesus is for us as the church to bring heaven to earth by being a community of peace in a culture of fear, a community that functions as a non-anxious presence, people who aren't alarmed by global pandemics, wars, social unrest, loss of a job, illness, the list goes on and on, but who are anchored in the peace and the presence of Jesus. Now the question is how? How how do we collide with peace and not just fear? And I want to suggest that Jesus models for us a way of living that brings something of the peace of heaven down into our everyday lives. But it's through something we're probably not very good at. The practice of silence and solitude. Let me make my case. In Luke 5 verse 16, we're told, almost as an aside, on the back of a story about Jesus healing a man, that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. The word lonely places translates to edemos in Greek, meaning the quiet place, the place where all the elements of modern life are stripped away and all of the things that we think we need to feel safe and happy and okay are exposed those things at the deep core of our being, the place where our soul, as it actually is, is laid bare in front of a loving God. And the Eremos, the lonely place, the quiet time, was a core practice in Jesus' ministry. Jesus frequently withdrew to the wilderness to pray, slipped away to be alone so that he could pray. And following Jesus into the Eremos, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but (laughs) is a practice that has come to be called silence and solitude or having a quiet time. Silence and solitude is how we move deeper into our relationship with God. Creating the emotional and spiritual space which allows Christ to build in us an inner sanctuary where we can commune with God unite with his will, and just enjoy his presence. You know, imagine your favorite place to pray or rest or just process life with God. It could be here at church 
or it could be in your living room early in the morning with a cup of coffee in your favorite mug, or it could be an afternoon walk in sunny weather. You know, the goal of silence and solitude is to let Jesus build a place like that inside of us, a place that you carry around with you everywhere you go. And no matter where your body is, no matter what the external environment is doing, it's a place that you can always retreat to and rest in Jesus to find peace and presence right in the chaos of life. And this is what Jesus was getting at in John 15 with his famous command to abide in me. You know, abide is the verb of the verb form of the noun abode. And then think of a like abode as a home or a dwelling place. It means to come and rest in God and allow God to come and rest in you. Now, this sounds great. (laughs) Even if I'm saying this, I'm like, heck, yeah, sign me up. (laughs) But this place, this inner sanctuary, is created in the middle of a war zone. You know, Luke 4 says that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, or the quiet place, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Many of us are shocked that when we go into quiet and we expect to just rest in God's peace like a spiritual bubble bath and instead the devil is there. (laughs) Instead all of our fears and our angers come up to the surface. Do you ever sit down to pray and all you're doing is thinking about what your boss said to you three weeks ago on a Thursday afternoon Or all of your fears and all of your anxiety over what about this, what about that, what if so-and-so, what if this happens, what if that doesn't happen. All of it is just there. And obsessive thoughts can begin to dominate your mind. And often you feel like there's even like a demonic pushback on your soul, colliding worlds. Because the edemos, the quiet place, is a place of encounter with God, but also with the reality of our life. And most of us spend a lot of our time distracting ourselves from reality, from our pain, from our fears, that we actually can't tolerate a lot of it. You know, John Mark Comer says, Solitude is the place of the great struggle and the great encounter. It's the place where we are set free by God from our attachments, from our deepest fears, what we think we need. And without it, without quiet, we remain in slavery to our fears. You know, when we use noise to drown out pain and fear, we're dealing with the symptom and not the root problem. Silence is a place where we can learn to be with our pain, our anger, our deepest fears, and let God be with us so that new life can emerge in and through us, so that we can become men and women of peace who are anchored in Jesus, who, 
in a culture of fear can offer the gift of peace. And before I go any further today, you know, you can't be anchored in a saviour that you don't know. And maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know, Emma, I'm not sure that I know Jesus as my personal Lord and saviour. You know, he's just a prayer of faith away this morning. And today, if you'd acknowledge him in your heart and you'd say, Jesus, I'm choosing to put my trust in you. I acknowledge what you did on the cross, paying the price for my freedom that I might know you. Salvation is here. So I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'd like everyone to repeat a prayer with me. Jesus, today I come to you, realizing I need you. I fall short, but you came for me. You died for me. Today I accept your sacrifice and turn from my own ways to follow you. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time, or as a recommitment to Jesus this morning, as eyes just remain closed, would you just raise your hand to let me know? Awesome. Okay, now we move into the next part. I want to invite you this morning to start chasing the peace, the quiet, knowing that there will be a great struggle and a great encounter but that we'll be better for it because we're following Jesus' example. And what would it look like for you to spend each day, ideally before you touch your phone, in quiet prayer? If all you squeeze in is 10 minutes, start there. And I don't know about you, but I know sometimes I get into that quiet place and then I'm like, what do I do now? (laughs) And so I wanted to take us through a practice of being quiet that can be helpful in those spaces of silence and waiting on God. That's not Ben, I thought that was Ben. (laughs) You know, I use this practice almost daily with my clients. Because there continues to be more and more scientific evidence that the practice of mindfulness or being in the here and now is effective at reducing symptoms of anxiety and depression. And for those of you that might be new to this practice, I'm going to share a couple of things that I found helpful, you know, aspects of life in the quiet. And this isn't a technique to control your prayer life. It's more just like ways to help let go control. And then I just really felt this morning that would create the opportunity to practice this together. An important thing to highlight right at the start is that learning how to be still with God is a skill that needs to be practiced. Just like any other skill that you learn, this one doesn't come naturally to your mind. So I'm going to go through a couple of helpful things which are relax, let go, and receive. So the first one is relax. You know, we live so much of our life, our days and our bodies running from the fight or flight system. 
running from thing to thing on a high of adrenaline and caffeine until we collapse and our system goes down and we watch Netflix with the bleary eyes through the night. Or maybe that's just me. (laughs) The first task of prayer is just to calm down and let your mind and your body settle into God's presence. To let your nervous system draw on the Spirit's peace. There's no right way to do this, and I'm going to show you one way shortly. But you could start by reading Scripture slowly, and then focus your attention in on your breath, and then just attending to the moment, and just attempting to be here and now. Not in the past, not in the future, but here because God is here. And then finally, as we've begun to switch our attention through the scripture, through our bodies, to our breath, through the moment, we come to focus on God. And we realize the truth of the psalmist's words, I am always with you. And we just be with God. Are any of you familiar with mindfulness? Yeah, a few. It's kind of like that, but relational. So the goal isn't to clear your mind as is kind of in mindfulness, but the goal is to commune with God by shifting your focus onto Him. And the thought is that there's nothing magical about that. But God is more than a thought or a feeling or an image that we are to grasp. God is God. And at some point, we have to move beyond praying with thoughts and feelings and even words to just be with him. But the problem is, you have a mind. You have this wonderful prefrontal cortex at the front, and it's an amazing gift from God. It's really good at writing emails or scheduling what to do next Thursday afternoon or booking an Airbnb for your next holiday but it's really bad at deep communion with God. In that space, it just tends to get in the way. And so it can help to give your mind something to do by focusing on a scripture or on your breath. The second thing is let go or detach. So letting go or detachment in the way of Jesus is very different from detachment in the Buddhist tradition or Eastern religions where the goal is to let go or detach from all desire. You know, for us as followers of Jesus, it's a way of letting go of those things that are distracting us from what really matters, which is a relationship with God. It's also not about making ourselves empty or accepting that, you know, life is just going to throw whatever it wants at us. Rather, it's a consistent posture of actively turning our whole being towards God so that His presence, His purpose, and His power can be released into our lives, into all of the situations. Letting go is about being in the moment with God, the here and now. And during quiet times, You'll probably notice that your mind is trying to shift your attention. You know, thoughts might be popping up or to-do lists. 
or even thoughts about whether you're doing quiet time right. And that's okay. That's what your brain's made to do. It might become fixated on those things that are making you feel anxious or painful things. But thoughts are just thoughts. They'll come and they'll go. And it's actually our reaction to thoughts, our emotional response that causes distress. So during times of stillness, when thoughts or emotions come and try and take your attention away from just being with God, just notice the thing that comes to mind and then shift your attention back to your breath and being with God. Or send it on, send it, send it on its way and say something like, this isn't the time for that, I, I give that over to you, God. So much of our prayer life is about letting go of our attempts to control the circumstances of our life, whether they be good or bad, wanted or unwanted. You know, in prayer, we give all of that over to God. And the third thing is receive. Because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for us, we have direct access to God and His voice. We can hear Him. He can give us words, scriptures, images, thoughts into our mind, into our imaginations. And you know, our thoughts are a mixed bag of God in us. You know, we bring noise, of course, what, maybe what we read in the news that morning or conversations that we've had, a thousand other things. So it's important to discern what's from God and what's from us. You know, test it with scripture and wise counsel. But we believe that God's spirit is alive and working in us and that God is speaking to all of us. And our job is just to wait on him in his presence in a posture of listening. The Bible tells us in Philippians 4 verse 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Spending time focusing on God and creating silence and space for Him should result in us feeling more loved and closer to Him. When we seek God, we move from fear into love and peace. And so this morning, we're not just about sharing thoughts with you, but we're about equipping you. And so we're gonna practice this now, just going through these basic steps together, which I pray is gonna equip you and help you when you try it in your own quiet times this week. We've been talking about silence and solitude and developing that in your relationship with God. And so in these next few moments, there might be times when I don't say anything and that's probably gonna feel a bit strange because this is normally an environment where we talk. <laughs> but I want you to just breathe and let go of the thought that this is strange and just turn your attention to God. You know, He's here, He's speaking. 
So I want you to just take a moment now, either close your eyes if you're comfortable or focus on something around you. Is anxiety a constant companion for you today? Maybe it seems like anxiety is something you will never shake. Something that you'll just have to learn to live with. We're going to focus on relaxing now. Pause. Take a deep breath. Hold it and then release it. And do this a couple more times. Relax your shoulders. Maybe notice if there are other parts of your body that feel tense and relax those too. Feel your mind slow down as your heart turns to the word of God for peace. As we move into letting go of the things that might be distracting us today, we would normally think about, notice any thoughts that might be um, in our mind or emotions that we might be feeling. So just bring your attention back to God, His presence, His breath. You know, Paul writes in Philippians 4 to stop worrying. Do not be anxious about anything, he writes. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Ask God to allow you to feel the truth that you are safe and secure in his arms as we reflect on these words. How can we begin to surrender our worries and cares to a God who cares for us? Today we'll practice giving our concerns over to God with thanksgiving and trust and receiving his peace and love. And so today as you breathe, focus on breathing out your cares and worries and breathe in God's perfect peace. Breathe out your anxiety and breathe in God's peace. What's God saying to you in this moment? Why don't you ask God to give you a word of encouragement? And as we transition out of this moment, just bring your attention back to the room and I'm going to pray. Dear God, 
how much better it is to let you handle our worries and concerns. You're so much better at it than we are. Remind us today that worrying doesn't add a day to our life. God, we want to live every day in your peace. It feels so much better. We do believe that you're sovereign. Help our unbelief. Amen. Hopefully you're feeling a little bit calmer. Do you know all up that exercise was four minutes? Isn't it crazy how much longer that feels <laughs> when we slow down and how different you feel at the end of it? Do you know in a day you have 1,440 minutes and that was four? Do you know spending four minutes being still with God would profoundly improve an awareness of God to all other minutes of your day? I know for me, I'm often surprised at how much calmer I felt, even if I didn't feel particularly not calm before I did it. You know, what would it look like if we could bring a balanced, measured response to our everyday, bringing heaven to earth by creating a culture of peace? And you know, there's a lot of information out there at the moment about mindfulness and meditation. And I often get asked questions of how Christianity kind of links in with meditation and yoga-like practices. And I hope that some of today has clarified some of this. But there are also two resources that I'd recommend um, about doing this in a God-honoring way. The first is a book called The Mindful Christian. And it's written by Dr. Irene Craigle, and she's a Christian clinical psychologist. She talks about how Christianity and mindfulness go hand in hand. And I personally find the app Abide really helpful. It's a Christian meditation app, I guess, and there are many options for guided exercise for a whole range of different topics. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.